Let's go to our message tonight. And we will go into the book of 2 Kings, but tonight we're going to Psalm 139. Let's go to Psalm 139. And the title of the message tonight is The Breath of Life. So let's look at uh, Psalm 139 tonight. We're going to jump a little bit of different scriptures, but we're going to pick up on this one right here. Okay, let's look at it. Let's look at Psalm 139, verse 1. The Bible says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest me, my down-sitting down, uh, and my upbringing. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it, it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether I go, which, I'm sorry, whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend in, in, up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand let, uh, uh, lead me, and thy right hand shall, be, shall hold me. If I, surely the, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the night are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance has not, was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and cur curiously wrote in the lowest part of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yea, yet being unperfect. Un un and in thy book all my, my members are written, which in continuance with fashion, even as, I'm sorry, yet as, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto, unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in, in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt... Slay the wicked, O Lord, depart from me, ye bloody men. What a wonderful, wonderful verse. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I mean a wonderful chapter, I'm sorry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture as we look at the breath of life. Lord, we live in a world today on which people don't believe that you are the God of all creation, that you created everything. They use excuses in many ways, but Lord, they're blind. They need the truth that comes from you. Help us, Lord, to be those as your children to go and tell these people that live in darkness that they, so they can come to the light of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so, so tonight we're looking at this psalm. We're going to jump from other verses here. But the breath of life. It is very sad to me personally to actually make a message about the sanctity of life. I think it's a sad time that we come today 
to a point we have to talk about the sanctity of life because in, the, in our society or in even in the world, uh, some cultures more than others, we come to a point that we don't respect human life. It's amazing that people are respecting the animal life, like you know the dogs and cats and everything else they have, more than they respect a human being. But we, we come to that. It is sad that we come to the day and age on which human life in a mother's room, womb is no longer called a baby but a fetus. And it purposely called that. And Brother Tom said, you know what fetus means in, uh, in Latin? And I said, no. He said, a baby. I said, I didn't know that. But I just learned something tonight. You know, they call him a fetus purposely because they don't want to call it a baby. But it is a human life. I mean, when a woman is expecting a baby, she's not expecting a cat or a dog as a baby. It's amazing how when, when uh, a cat's going to have cats, they say, oh, my cat's going to have little kitties, you know, little cats. Or it's going to have little doggies. You know, we don't want to say that about human life. Why? Because we don't have the one. They don't want to put that guilt on people. But you know what? If only those mothers you have committed abortion could speak and the remorse that it goes through there. They don't talk about that. But many have struggled. Many have struggled. I had a privilege. I don't, well, not a privilege is the wrong word. But talking with a, a couple that have done that. And I could see the tears coming down. They said they made a mistake. I said, well, you need the Lord. You go to the Lord. The Lord can forgive you. I try to help them. But they're both, I don't, to this day, I don't think either one is saved. What a, what a sad thing if to take... You know, my thing is, how could the place of protection is the mother's womb become a, becomes a, pl a place of murder? How could we come to that? But anyway, it makes me very sad that we have passed laws to eliminate the innocent that have no voice to defend themselves. Get this. I believe that we were all born with a self-will, and that we will, and that, uh, and that, and the will to, and to make our own uh, choices. I believe that we all uh, have, have our God-given right to make our own choices. I believe that. But don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, okay? Now, hear me well. And please, like I said, don't misunderstand me. If a woman have given the choice to choose, why doesn't the child that she is carrying in her womb, womb have the, the same power to choose as well? If she has the right of being a citizen to make choices, that baby right there as a citizen as well and have the right to make choices as well. You see, the baby in that womb is not part of her body. Actually, that baby has her own DNA and her own body. Totally different. You know, she's just a vessel that carries a baby. But that baby is a totally different life. And to say, I have the choice to eliminate that. To me, in my eyes and my heart, it's always going to be murder. That's right. I cannot think differently. Amen. And I believe in the eyes of God the same thing. You see, who are we to be judges over others? Who are we to say, you cannot live any longer? Well, let the child live and say, and ask the child when, to the point when that child can make a choice and say, do you want to live or die? I think that 100% of them would say, I want to live. What was that day that we come to? If the woman is a pro-choice and says, this is my body and that's my choice, then the baby in the womb should have the same privilege to say, that's my body and I choose to live. 
Isn't it strange that we have to set aside a day to remember human life? Let me put it this way. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service website, there are 388 endangered, endangered animals and 129 threatened species, species in America. So America have gone out of the way to protect and, and all kinds of life that is about to, to go in, in, in extinction right here. However, we have overlooked one species. We have failed to protect human life. Since Roe and Wade in, in 1973, over 50 million, if not more, probably more today, babies have been aborted. That's 1.5 million a year, 4,000 a day, one every 20 seconds, 120 babies during a, this sermon. What does it mean to say the sanctity of life? Sanctity means the quality of being holy or secret. But simply then, this, uh, then sanctity of, of human life means human life is set apart from all other lives. Human life is unique. After God made male and female and after all of his creation, God says it was very good. Who are we to say you can live or cannot live? Who are we to take a human life that cannot defend himself? The, uni- the innocent that cannot defend himself, we say you cannot live any longer. How would you feel if somebody comes to you and say to you, you cannot live any longer? Would you scream, I want to live? Probably would. <laughs> you probably would. So thinking about the subject of human life and the sanctity of human life is, a very, is, is very heavy in my heart because I cannot stand for that. So let's look at the breadth of life tonight from several points. I want to give you some points tonight. Number one, if you have the outline there with you, life is a wonderful mystery. Life in itself is one of the greatest mysteries. Scientists can explain it away with their intellect. They can't explain about cells, blood, organs, and everything else that makes up the body. But, uh, I mean, I'm saying they can't explain it. They explain it away. But no one understands life in itself because it's hidden with God. Its secret is hidden with God. Listen. Yes, we can study the human body. We can understand cells and, and veins and blood and all that. But ultimately, when it's put all together, we say, how in the world life is and how it came to be. Remember the thing that I said here? I say this many times when the scientists told God that he can create things. And God said, go ahead and create. And he picked up a big blob of dirt. And he said, look what I can do. And God said, put the dirt down. He says, why? That's my dirt. Get your own. <laughs> it is true, isn't it? <laughs> so you know what? We, scientists and doctors and all that, they look at the human body and, and they can you know, study the human body. It's all good. I mean, it's all wonderful. They can do that. But they don't know how life started, where it came from. To tell me that life came from a blob somewhere, it's very hard for me to believe. Very difficult for me to believe. It takes a lot of faith to believe that. You know, that, that like, you know, or the Big Bang Theory that all these rocks and stuff all boom, bang together, and suddenly we have a perfect universe. I saw just an accident on 95 when I came here. It didn't look good when that, you know, one car collided with another. Or you think rocks hitting each other is going to create something good? Here's what I believe. You say, you know, 
some people, they, they're now Christians, they have a hard time with this. But this is what I tell them. I believe that God spoke, and boom, it came to be. And they look at me like, you Christians. I said, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is wonderful, isn't it? So, <laughs> so, also, when did life begin? David the psalmist answers this question for us here tonight. Let's look at, at verse 14 of our text. Look at it says, I will praise thee. Look at that. I will praise thee. David says, as long as I remember this, I will praise thee, Lord. Look what it says. For I am fearfully and the wonderfully made. You know, some people say, oh, that person is not that cute at all. Oh, that person is not handsome at all. They're, kind of, oh, they're beautiful and wonderfully made. You know, one guy said to me one time, you know, there are some cute babies and there are some not-so-cute babies. I said, they're all cute. He goes, that's not true. I said, yes, it's true. We are, look what he says right here. I don't know, I mean, but look at that, look at that. I'll praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You see, he says, I was wonderfully made. You know, I don't think he was boasting out right here as we are prideful. I don't think that's what he was saying right here. He was expressing the gratitude of life. I don't know about you, but I thank God for each day. <laughs> I get up in the bed. I get out of bed in the morning and said, Thank you, Lord, you give me one more day. Because I don't we don't have assurance of tomorrow, do you? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but here we are today. We are here. That's why I say, you know what? I learned when I was battling cancer. When I go to the house of the Lord, I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. You know why? Because I thought that I was going to die. <laughs> I really did. I like it. So going to the house of the Lord became something good, something I wanted to do. It. Amen. I tell you what, when you somebody says to you, you have cancer, it, sound, it seems different. No, you think like, am I going to die? When am I going to die? I know I'm going to die, Lord, but am I going to drop dead these day, one of these days? It's different. It's very different. So he says, I'm wonderfully made. So aren't you thankful to be alive? To be able to breathe, eat, laugh, play, relax, work, worship, be able to live? Life is no accident, folks. Life is a wonderful gift from God. Isn't that wonderful to, be, to, to watch a beautiful sunset, to eat your favorite dessert, to go hunting or fishing, to go shopping, if you like to shop? Me is like I walk in and walk out. <laughs> to go to a ball game or just to come to church and nobody is here and you just make a cup of coffee and goes, ah, oh, it's good. <laughs> That's what I did today. But anyway, isn't it wonderful to be able to watch your grandson play baseball or your football or, you know, to go somewhere? Isn't it wonderful just to go to the seashore and watch the waves crashing on the seashore, to watch the seagulls uh, singing, you know, to watch the birds, and if you have lunch, the seagulls might steal your lunch. You know, isn't that wonderful? Life is good. Isn't that wonderful to sit in a summer day and watch a little ant crawling next to you, and you sit outside, or oh, a mosquito biting you, and you say, that, that mosquito, I'm going to, you know what? It's wonderful. Life is good because it's a gift from God. The problem is a lot of people are ungrateful. A lot of people in our world are very ungrateful because, oh, there's no God. 
I'm not accountable to him. You know, there's no God. I don't have to say anything to him. You know what? I came from a blob somewhere. I'm going to die. I'm going to be mush. They're missing out. And you know what? When they're in trouble, when they're in desperation, when life doesn't go good to them, you know what? They come to you. They go and grab your arm and they say, can you pray for me? That's the ones that say, there's no God. That's the ones that say, what are you doing at church? I don't want to go to church. I'm going to waste my time over there. And they keep going. But when life is hard, I'm saying this because it happens to me. Could you pray for me? Obviously, the back of their minds, even what what they're saying with their lips is not really the truth. They want to do what they want to do, but deep inside their hearts, they know there is a creator. They know there is a God. Isn't it wonderful to, to, to be able to hear and sing songs of praises to God? Isn't it wonderful to be able to walk on the beach, like I said? Isn't it wonderful to come to church and open our mouths and sing to the Lord? And you say, I, don't care. I can't carry a tune. Who cares? It comes from your heart and you, you know, do it for the Lord. God looks and smiles at you and says, look at my child. That's the blessing of life. You know, know, sometimes life is hard. Yes, life is not fair. We live in a falling world. Sin abounds everywhere. But life is good. Life is good. Maybe that's why I I smile all the time. I don't know. (laughs) So yes, it is. And yet, every year in the USA, 1.2 to 1.4 million babies are never given the opportunity to find out how wonderful life really is. That's how many abortions are performed each year in USA. That amounts to 4,000 every day, three every minute, one every 20 seconds. To think that, that so many children die every two hours is kind of sad. Very sad. Think about it. They could be the next missionaries, the next preachers, the next churchgoer, the next carpenter, the next doctor, the next nurse, the next mom or dad, the things, the next president, the next congressman or congresswoman. You see, they're, they're taking the opportunity. They're thinking the life of someone that could do something for humanity. Just for convenience. Don't you know that what happens? There's a man that I work with me. He had eight kids. Eight kids. Then he came to work. He said his wife was expecting child number nine. He was talking about the child and four times he stopped. He didn't talk anymore. I didn't take it the wrong way. But I asked him, so how's, how's your wife doing? Everything good? He goes, oh, yeah, we're doing good. She went and had an abortion. And I said, why? Well, it was not good for us financially. It was not convenient for us, is the word. I said to him, I said, your wife could have the baby and give it to us. I said, the table that feed, feed eight can feed nine. If you have a bed that two kids sleep in, you can put another one there. 
I said, then he said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. How can we do that? It is very sad, isn't it? But they do it for convenience. Many of them is done for convenience. So, let's go to point number two. Life started with God. Go to Genesis chapter 2 and look at verse 5. Actually, let's look first at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Look what it says there. In the beginning, what's the beginning? When God created time, because He's outside of time. God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Right there. That's when, you know, the book of Genesis is a book that has been on the uh, scrutiny for many years because people don't want to take it. You know what? It's a great book. It's a book of creation. Book of beginnings. But look at, let's go to chapter 2, verse 5. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herd, uh, herb of the field before it grew, uh, it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not, not a man to toil the ground. But there uh, went up amidst from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground, and the Lord formed, a man, formed man out of the dust of the ground. That's where we came from, okay? And bred it in his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. What life came from? Right there. It was God who made man out of the dust of the ground. It was God that gave man the breath of life. And scientists say, well, no, no, it's a blob somewhere. You know what? I'm going to trust the one who was there in the beginning. God. How do you know there was a blob cell somewhere? You, you were there? You know, I mean, you know, you, you, I like to challenge those people, you know. They're like, you tell me there was a, a cell somewhere that began to grow. You were there? Oh, no. So how do you know that to be true? It's just some common sense questions. There are all kinds of philosophies that goes on this world about life and how it began. Man in his wisdom comes with all kinds of ideas about life and how it begins. Somehow man tried to explain to other men how life began. And, I, and many are the ones who believe the ideas and philosophies of another man. The question is, in whom am I going to believe when it comes to the question, where did life begin? Am I going to believe in the philosophies and the ideologies of men who were born the same way I, I did? Who am I going to believe in God or what God says about life? We make a choice, don't we? Do I going to believe in what these guys saying? Or am I going to believe in what God says? One thing is true right here. You, can put, you cannot put the two together. They don't fit together. They do not fit together. Again, where did life begin? I personally believe in the God of the Bible, to answer this question about life. Because he was the only one who was there when life began. There was not a single scientist, there was not a single scientist present when life began. 
There was not a single critic when life began. There was not a single atheist when life began. There was not a single smart aleck when life began. Folks, if we take an honest, hard look at creation, the universe, you will admit that someone created everything that we see. Actually, it is a miracle that the whole, our, even our planet sticks together. Even our galaxy, even our, our planet is a miracle. You know why? It is a great miracle because the one who sustains everything is God himself. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, 16, and 17. It's right there. He created everything for him. And, and you know what? It is amazing what people do. But if we look, if we look from a scientific point of view, look at it, we can say, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, they know it's impossible to get all these things together. And I'm not going to get in details here. But it, it, you know what I'm talking about. It, it, you know, but they still believe in evolution and all those things. It amazes me. Said, we say to this, you know that's impossible for these things to get together. But somehow, somewhere, everything glues together. And you tell me there is not a God? Wow. I had in my, my job, when I used to work at Artvac Corporation, and some of you know or heard that I work in there. But anyway, there was a professor there. He worked a part. He worked part-time job there. He was a professed atheist. That's what he said. I was atheist. I said I don't believe that you're an atheist. I just believe that you don't want to admit that there is a God because you want to do what you want to do. And we go back and forth on that. But one day I just had it. <laughs> I just had it. And he started talking again, and and I said, "Listen, come here." I said. So we don't steal time from, uh, from the company. I clocked out. I said, you clock out too. And he goes, what? I just clock out? Just clock out. So, so we went out on the, on, the, on, the, on the parking lot. I say, all right, look around. I just don't look around. And he's like clueless, really clueless. I said, please look around. And he's, what do you want me to look at? I said, look at detail. Look at detail. You need to look at detail here. I mean, don't tell me you don't know what detail is. You know, right? if you walk inside of a house, if you look at things, you see things. Look around. He couldn't give me anything. I said, "Look, I'm going to look for you." Okay? Is the birds? Is the trees? Is the green grass? Oh, air! Isn't that wonderful? I'm looking at you. Where did you come from? So I began to show him. I said, look up. I said, see? I said, see? You tell me he's not a creator? I said, you tell me. Explain that to me. All this is so perfect. God made all this so you can live. And you put a fist at his face. You don't exist. You didn't create anything. Wow. It's like me. Like, put it this way. It's like, let's say I build this whole place. All right? And I know I build it. Put every stone up, everything that is in here, I build it up. And you come in and say, who built this thing as I did? Get out of here, you liar. You see, that's what we call God when we say that. You say, get out of here. I know you. He did. God is the creator of all. Don't matter what, see, it don't matter what people say. Don't matter how smart they think they are. The Bible stands and the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the heavens and the earth. That's right. And you know what? And God does not argue with anybody. He's just the clearest. Yes. 
He declares right there, then he created all. Interesting. Those who deny him, is going to go, they're going to see him again. So, letter A, he is the giver of life. Genesis 2-7. And the Lord from, from man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life and man became a living soul. We can see that he is the giver of life. Where life came from? From God. Okay. Letter B. He is the creator of man. Okay, why did I say this? Man did not create himself. God created man. If man created himself, man wouldn't die. But unfortunately, <laughs> those are, we're all going to die. You know why? Because we don't know how to keep this body from dying. Actually, when you peek about, I mean, it goes like this, like a flower. You were born into this world, and you begin to grow, 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 about 23, 24, and you begin to die. Because you begin to age. And there's no turning back. There's nothing we can do. And if you don't believe me, look in the mirror. That's a reality. But you know what? For those of us who are Christians, we know we're going to see the Lord. So the phrase, image of God, means that this phrase defines man's unique relation to God and set him apart from the animals. He was, he was like God in that he could reason and intellect, will and emotion. That's, you know, we are like God. We have emotions, we have will, we have intellect. We are different from the animal kingdom. I don't like the idea of somebody calling me an animal. I'm not an animal. I'm a human being. Amen. Goodness. Okay, let us see. Where's let us see? Somewhere here. Okay. <laughs> he is the sustainer of life. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. What a wonderful verses in Colossians 1, 16 and 17. You know what? Who sustains everything? Washington, D.C. doesn't sustain everything. Okay? I don't care what they say. Okay? One time I saw a program. They were in the Arctic. It was Those were French people. They were in the Arctic putting big, gigantic miles of plastic uh, laying down so so that so those those icebergs wouldn't melt. They're like, really? God takes care of his nature. <laughs> but look, he's a sustain. Look what it says in Colossians 1.16. For by him were all things created. They are in heaven, they are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all Things consist. Why the world keeps the, our planets keep rotating the right way? Why we have all the seasons? You know, I love the winter. <laughs> you know, why we have all the seasons? You know, I know Nancy is watching. She goes, "You don't love the winter." No, I like the summer. But anyway, <laughs> you know, why everything rotates? Why we have night and day? Because God is in control. Nobody else. I cannot rotate the earth. I can't do that. I mean, it's wonderful to look at, at, at a planet or something up in the sky and put your finger and look, look like you're touching it. That's because you're miles away. You see, God sustains everything. Okay, let's go up with number three, our last point. Life is to be lived with purpose. Okay, so 
Look what it says in Psalm 139, verse 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. So if life is a gift from God, and if we understand where life came from and who we are and who God is, then if we live, let's live with purpose. So what is my purpose in this world? People say, I, I, I mean, before I got saved, I even asked those questions. What in the world I was born for? Can you imagine, you know, people asking that question, what is my purpose in this world? I had a guy in my, my job that said this, you know what, I have no idea what I was born for. I get up in the morning, I go to work, I get up in the morning, I go to work, get up. It's the same thing every single day. He goes, it's the same toys, it's the same tools, it's the same stuff, it's the same people, it's the same place. I said, I'm getting old and I don't know why I was, I was born for. I look at him, I said, you know why you were born for? To give God glory. And he goes, oh, don't come with this stuff. I said, what else you're born for? You will die and everything that you see will stay behind you. You see, we live with, I, I tell you, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I did not. I was saved at 32 years old, married, had two kids already. But I understood life from an unsaved man's perspective. I, didn't, I don't live in a bubble, bubble. I know what's out there. When I got saved, I began to read my Bible, I began to listen to my pastor, I began to listen to my Sunday school teachers. I put things in perspective. I look at life now from a totally different perspective. But I understand what's going on out there. You see, life has purpose. What's my purpose? To glorify my Savior. That's my purpose. You see, but what about everything else? You, everything else comes after. Doesn't mean that I'm going to be lazy. I will go to work, I'll take care of my family, I will eat, I will enjoy life, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. But what they purpose. You know how many people have no aim in our world? They have no aim. What are they living for? They have no idea. You ask them, and they're like, I don't know. What is your purpose? I don't know, I'm just living. They're just existing. They have no purpose. See, we Christians, we have a purpose. What is my purpose? God put me in this world. I am in, an ambassador of the gospel. Amen. What a great name. I'm ambassador of the gospel. I'm a, to be a lighthouse, I have to be, this, I have to be the salt of the earth. See, you see that? I have to shine for Jesus. I'm going to enjoy life to the fullness. Amen. You know why? Because life came from Him, and ultimately I'm going to be with Him. Amen. What a purpose. Because ultimately, the new heaven and the new earth, I'll be with Jesus for all eternity. What a promise to God's people. You see, shouldn't we have a purpose? Okay. What kind of purpose, also, what promise have those who are unsaved who reject God? Well, I mean, you know, many preachers don't want to see this thing today. They're going to hell. That's what the Bible says. We don't see this in a, in a light way because it, we don't want your enemy to go to that place. But the Bible says that's where they're going. Okay, what's their purpose? They're living in this world, and they went up in there. Where's my purpose? I'm going to glorify my Savior because my Savior because I know where I'm going. Oh goodness, wonderful! Life is to be lived with purpose. Letter B, letter A. I think my letter B, my letter A disappeared. I think it's letter A. The mission of life. Is that letter A there on your, on your outline? 
Uh, I'm sorry, but I think letter A disappeared. I don't know what happened to letter A, but anyway, letter B. <laughs> I am like, I, maybe I deleted by mistake, I don't know. <laughs> so the mission of life. How precious so are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more in number than, I, than the sin. When I awake, I'm still with thee. The mission of life. I just explained to you is the mission of life. What is our mission? Oh, I'm going to get up and go to church again? Oh, listen to that guy again? Oh, that Sunday school teacher puts me to sleep. This guy get out of bed one, one, one morning and told his wife, I'm not going to church today. And she said, why are you not going to church today? Nope, I'm not going to church today. You go to church. I stay home. Why are you not going to church today? You go to church every Sunday. Not today. I'm not going to church. You go to church. But you have to go to church. I'm not going to church. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody will miss me if I'm not there. And she goes, you have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> the mission. Listen, I don't know about you, but I love to go to church. Some people think it's a sacrifice to go to church. It shouldn't be a sacrifice. It's a meeting place. It's where we get together and we sing together and we edify one another and we worship our great Savior. It should be an excitement thing. It should be, we should anticipate going to the house of God. Not a sacrifice. Oh, I'm going to get up. It's Sunday. I'm going to go to church. Uh. That's not, oh goodness. Some people even read their Bible, they go, okay, oh, let me skip that. The mission of life. We have a mission. We've been adopted to God's family. We became ambassadors of the gospel. We are citizens of heaven. See, we have to be the light of this world. We have to be the salt of the earth. On top of this, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we have to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. We have a purpose. You see the purpose? We have a great purpose. Somebody says to you, why are you so joyful? Why do you keep on going? Why you don't stop? Because I have a purpose. It's like, you know, doing a job that you have to do. You have, you have to finish, and people try it, and things come along, and you keep going. And say, why don't you stop? I got a purpose. I got to finish the job. We have a purpose. People are lost and need the Savior. Let us see. This be letter B, whatever that letter is. But the honesty of life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if is there any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. You see the honesty of David right here. He's so honest with God. He said, He said to the Lord, "Search me, O God." You know, if, we have, if we're going to have a purpose in life, we have to keep our short accounts with the Lord and be honest with God. He is the giver of life, isn't he? I, I learned this when this whole thing about some states, that I believe the law came to the states, right? States vote on abortion, and they give, it, they give that to the states. I learned that many people, even people that I know I work with, they are pro-abortion. I'm like, why in the world? And people that they seem to be, I thought they were, they were f for life. And he's like, so many people out there. Ah, that's okay. What do you mean that's okay? 
Folks, I tell you this way, it's never right to take somebody's life. Innocent lives like that. It's never right. God is the giver of life. And man is, ta man is taking life away from the Lord. But right here we see the honesty of life. You know, honesty, be honest with God. Lord, if you give me this, I give you this. That, that's not honesty. That's playing with God. Lord, if you give me this thing, I'll give you this thing. If you give me that, I'll go to church faithfully. Never happens. But that's what people do. He said, search me, O God. You see the heart of David here? And know my heart. Try me. Try me and know my thoughts. You see, the honesty of David right here. He said, Lord, even know my thoughts. The way I think about it. It's not by mistake that the Bible says that David was a, a man after God's own heart. The strange songs of life come from a humble and contrite heart. Those are the songs that keep our mind tuned with heaven. Are you in tune with heaven? David prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. I tell you what. If people will understand the gift of life. If they understand there is a God that loves us and loves them. If they really stop and try to understand that what they're doing is wrong. Our world will be different. You see, the pressure of society. That's what we have, the pressure of society. And people just fall into that trap. Fall into that trap. Let's put it this way. It's not a topic of our, of our lesson tonight, but homosexuality. At one time it goes, oh. Then it was like, as long as not in my street. Then, oh, as long as not in front of my house. What happened? Now it's everywhere. And society accepts it. And churches open their doors for it. Listen, folks, we don't hate people. But actually, I think hate is a, that word is a very strong word. I don't like that word. No, but we, they live the lifestyle that those people live is that I don't agree with it. Amen. I have nothing against you, but what you're doing is absolutely wrong. Right. I tell you, life is precious. Life is a gift from God. I tell you what, our planet is full of life. From the top of the mountains, you go there, you see life in the top of the mountains. To the most, even to the desert, you see life in there. God is the giver of life. What a wonderful God that He is, isn't it? And He's given, he's given life. And we are taking it away and say, I don't want it. What a sad day that we live in, isn't it? Well, I'm going to conclude tonight with this. Commit your life to God. Have purpose for living. If you never commit your life to the Lord, who will? Renew your devotion to the Lord of life. All of us have done whatever moments in life. We need to devote ourselves to the Lord. But let me tell you one thing. Okay? I cannot control what you do. I cannot make decisions for you. The only person I can control is me and make my own decision. But one thing I would 
remind you, we don't agree with abortion because it's murder. We don't agree with that. How can we agree with that if God is against that? Amen. If our God is a giver of life and is against that, why should we agree? Remember I've been preaching about lowering your standards? Right. When we do that, we lower our standards to accommodate the decay of society. That's one of those. May we be committed to the Lord. Even if we stand by ourselves and say, I won't bend I will I stay committed into that until I go to heaven. I'll do what the God told me to do. You're not going to be popular, but that's okay. God knows exactly where you are, and He loves you for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for life. I am so grateful for the life that you give me. I'm so grateful for the time that I lived in this world and continue to live and I praise your name for it but Lord we pray tonight for those mothers Lord who have made that mistake and many are regretful to this day pray for them Lord they may find peace in their hearts may they come to you accept you as Lord and Savior and find that peace they so desire and Lord I pray that this thing this law be totally passed in every state of this country on which everyone will stand for life, not for abortion. Lord, what an ugly word even to say. Help us, Lord, to be committed to you, not to lower our standards to the ways of society. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.